Bibles, go to Philippians chapter number four tonight. If you're able to stand, let's stand for the reading of the Word of God. Philippians chapter number four, and we're going to be beginning in verse number four. If you're visiting with us tonight, we have been going through a journey, not only in the book of Philippians, but really we, our journey began when we trusted Christ as our Savior. And we, we receive the joy of the Lord, and we've been talking about having joy and finding joy in the journey. Don't let anyone or anything rob you of the joy that you have, because that joy comes from the Lord. And so tonight, we're looking at, of course, Paul trying to finalize this epistle, this letter that God allowed him to pen these words to Christians, believers in Christ in the city of Philippi many years ago. And there's some great things here tonight in our, in our portion. We'll look at the text that we have for this evening. And so we're going to begin reading in verse number four of chapter four. We'll read down to verse number nine. And so if you would tonight, let's read this responsively. I will read verse four and then you read verse five. I'll read verse six. You read verse seven and on until we get to verse number nine. All right. The Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things." Yeah, interesting verse 9 there, those things, and he mentions them in verse number 8. He says, now notice the, the, the wording here, the verbs used, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen, Paul says, in me. In other words, Paul was practicing these things. They were a part of his life, and remember that part of the Christian life is that we can help others, we can point others to Jesus, we can be an example, and Paul says, the things you see in me, he says, "Not don't look at me, look at the Lord, what God's doing, he says, those are the things that you need to be doing, and that's what we need to do tonight is, as it says here, we need to think on these things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you bless the Word of God. Lord, we need your Word. We need it so much every day of our lives. And I pray that this portion that we've come to tonight, as we've traveled through this letter to those in Philippi, that Lord, this portion would be something that would help us. It would strengthen us. It would enable us to meet another week as we live in this world. Now bless those that have come to your house. Be with those that are not able to be here for various reasons. And Lord, bless the children 
in the other part of the building tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. <clears throat> you know, Dr. Getch that we've had here, Dr. John Getch, wrote a book a, a while back, and the title of the book was, What's on Your Mind? I'm not going to ask you what you're thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, I wonder how long this message is going to be. Uh, some of you are thinking, what am I going to do after church tonight? Some of you are already thinking about tomorrow. You're already thinking about all the things that you have to do. Is anybody else like me in the morning, as soon as the alarm goes off and your feet hit the floor, your, your mind, your, your, your computer goes on in your mind and you start thinking about the day? Anybody else like that? And I, I, I don't like that aspect of my life, but I just can't seem to uh, unprogram or reprogram myself. And I have to be careful. I have to guard myself like you heard those college guys this morning because I have, to, I have to make sure that I guard my time with the Lord before I begin my day. And so many times I don't do that. And we need to make sure that we're thinking. Somebody said the mind is a terrible thing to waste. And a lot of folks do. Many people don't use near the capacity of their mind that God has given to them. And it's tragic when many of us allow our minds to be filled with negative thoughts and allow our minds to be eaten by worry. And I mentioned worry this morning. So many people worry about this and that. And you know, one of the worst things that, that happened years ago was when they started uh, having the news on TV. And I, as, if you're like me, you know that there's not much good news on the news. And people start to hear things. They hear hurricanes are on the way and they hear about the economy and they hear what our president's doing and what the Democrats won't allow them to do and on and on and on. And before long, we're worrying about everything. Can I tell you that Paul realized that some of the issues of those Christians in Philippi, by the way, their issues, many of them are no different than what we deal with today. It might be a different day, but we deal with many of those areas in life with stress we become easily worried about things, just like those in Philippi, and, and they were allowing fear to overwhelm their thoughts. So God allows Paul here as he comes to these final verses of this letter, and Paul gives them, and really God preserving it to our generation, he gives them some alternatives to this life of stress and worrying about things. You see, there's two ways that you and I can respond to stress. One is we can respond negatively. Two is we can respond positively. Now, on a negative note, you think about how many times what people do is they become very critical of other people. Uh, they immediately begin to criticize other people. Some people, the way they respond to stress is they hide at work. They just immerse themselves in their job, and they, that's how they deal with stress. Some actually expect people to have a sympathetic ear towards them, to be, be, uh, maybe pity them a little bit. Some turn to some types of substance abuse. mentioned that earlier with Spafford and many people that struggle and how they deal with stress. They turn to some, some type of a substance and really, many of them have no balance in life at all. 
Now, that's the negative side of it, how people deal with it. But can I tell you positively tonight, and this is what we need to key in on, is positively we can deal with stress by renewing our minds. Uh, you know, the mind is, is an amazing thing. God has created us. God's given us a mind. And many times, because of all the negative things in the world, we tend to get very negative about things, and we have to guard ourselves. And, and as the Bible says here, there needs to be a, not, not a, a new, but a renewing of our minds. And that's what he addresses here in our scripture tonight. We need to learn, as Paul's writing here to those in Philippi, about biblical thinking. And you know, I think that's the best kind of thinking for any Christian is what does the, minds, uh, the Bible say about this, and not, not what does the world say, but what does God's Word say about this. And look, we need to understand, as the Bible says, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. The renewing. Uh, it seems to me like almost every day I get up, and I need to ask the Lord to clear my mind of things that were in my mind the day before. You know, I need a new slate. Uh, the things of yesterday troubled me. I don't need to go into this day with those very same things. And I would say you're probably the same way. It reminds me of Charlie Brown. He was thinking about his life. He was contemplating a lot of things. And Charlie Brown said, sometimes I lie awake at night and I ask myself, where have I gone wrong? And then he says, a voice then says to him, this is going to take more than one night. Sometimes we've detoured a long way, listen, without moving one foot and taking one step because we've moved in our minds. You know, I think that's where the battlefield is for most folks, is in our thoughts, our thought life. You know, it's amazing how, you know, you sit down, if you're like me, you sit down maybe in front of the computer, maybe in front of the television, things pop up that you didn't want to see, that you had no desire to look at, and then all of a sudden it's there. Well, it goes through the eye gate and it gets fixed in your mind. You can't get that thought out of your mind and and things begin to happen that, that cause stress. I was reading statistically that in the United States of America, 5 to 10% of adults are currently experiencing symptoms of depression. It's a, it's a true reality. So many people in our land that are dealing with some form of depression, they say that 25% of all Americans will suffer from depression at some point in their lives. Doctors say that depression is something that many deal with. Somebody said that depression cuts across all religious and non-religious ties. And many adults at this time and even young people are taking antidepressant medicines. Studies have shown, though, that changing your thinking, interesting, changing your thinking is the best cure for stress. Changing your thinking. 
almost a reprogramming. Now say, how is that possible? By the renewing of your mind, as the Word of God says. See, biblical thinking is learning to change your thoughts, and here's the key, through the Scriptures. That's why it's important to be in the Word of God, to study the Word of God, to saturate yourself with God's Word, to meditate on the Word of God. The reason so many Christians struggle is because they never open their Bible outside of Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. You know, don't look, I I do my best with God's help to prepare a spiritual meal when you come. But if you only eat the three meals that I give you on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you're not eating a lot of food. You need to feed yourself daily. You know, one thing's for sure, physically, we don't miss a meal most of the times. But we need our spiritual meals. And Paul is trying to help them understand some things to help them, some truths to help them with their thoughts. Because, listen, the mind is something that controls the rest of our lives. So I want you to see tonight some truths that Paul shares that those in Philippi and we tonight at Bible Baptist Church... In 2018, we need to think about, notice the first thing he tells them to do is to think with praise. Back in in chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 4, look at the words again, rejoice in the Lord, how often? Always. And then I love the last part of this verse, and again, I mean if that wasn't enough, again I say Rejoice. Now, the word rejoice means to be glad. To be glad. He says that we need to be glad in the Lord. The word joy is a chosen response. And here's the listen to the unchanging nature of God. God doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. If anyone is changing, it is us. And the Bible says that we need to rejoice in the Lord. I mean, even in the most adverse circumstances, and we saw a great example of that this morning with the life of Job, and Brother Kenny shared another real life one that we know with Horatio Spafford, that we can choose to rejoice when we remember our God, when we begin to think about how good God has been to us. But if we start looking at the winds and the waves instead of looking to Jesus, everything changes. And he says, you need to think with praise. I I was reminded back in the book of Acts in chapter 5, there were those that were in the early church, first century, that Jesus had been crucified. And of course, we know that he, he rose from the dead and that he ascended back to be with the Father. But the ministry, the church of the living God, that he began that church in his ministry and he left it in the hands of his disciples And when Jesus was no longer here, everyone was looking at them. They they became the pillars of the early church. And we see that the Bible says in verse number 41 of chapter 5 that they, those leaders of the early church, they departed from the presence of the council. And listen, they, they brought them before them. And I mean, they threatened them. They said, we don't want no more silly talk about this one named Jesus. Because we did away with him. Uh, Listen, we're tired of hearing about Christianity and about Jesus. 
And you just need to understand that if you don't stop talking about Jesus, then we're going to deal with you the way we dealt with that one named Jesus of Nazareth. And the Bible says that as they threatened them, in verse 41, they departed from the council rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for his name. Now you think about that. They were praising God in the, in the face of persecution, in the face of being threatened for their lives. Why? Because I see what they were praising. Look at, first of all, the object of their praise. The Bible says that you and I, we need to rejoice in the Lord. I'm not here to rejoice in myself. I'm not here to rejoice in you. I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And when it, what comes into our minds, what, what we think about God is the most important thing about us. What do you think about God? You know, that's the age-old question. Remember what Jesus said when he was on this earth? Whom do men say that I am? You know, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But whom do others say? Well, they say that you're John the Baptist, Elias, one of the prophets. I mean, folks, listen, people today, if you ask them what they think or who they believe God is, you'll get all kinds of answers. A.W. Tozer said it this way, the gravest question before the church is always God himself. The most important fact that any man is not what he at any given time may say or do, but what he in his deep heart conceives God to be like. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible says, He is thy praise, and he is thy God that hath done for thee these great and terrible things which thine eyes have seen. Folks, we have to understand tonight that through all of life's trials and through everything that we go through, the only way you can have joy in the journey is to make sure you keep your eyes on the object of praise, and that is on the Lord himself. The Bible says rejoice in the Lord, but notice not only the object of praise, but God gives us the opportunity of praise because the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. See, rejoicing in the Lord is choosing to remember and focus on God's unchanging attributes. You know, sometimes it would do you well, unless you've done it recently, to go back and study the Word of God and to see what the Bible says about the very attributes of God. You know, God is love. God is just. God is holy. God is merciful. I could go on and on, folks, tonight Understand that there are certain attributes which only belong to God. But there are some attributes that God has that are communicable to us. That God wants us to have some of those very same attributes in our lives. That as we grow, that we should be becoming more and more like Him. Well, that all takes place in the mind when we're praising Him, we're rejoicing in the Lord we're choosing to remember the very characteristics and attributes of God because circumstances, they change. But God never changes. God never changes. Psalm 20 and verse 5, We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. Folks, look, how long has it been since you got saved? 
Have you forgotten or gotten over your salvation? When's the last time you rejoiced in the Lord? Praise God for the opportunity that he saved your old wretched soul. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth. And with my song will I praise him. Someone said laughter and anxiety or worry cannot coexist. Folks, I mean, listen, we have someone to praise and we need to think with praise. But notice, secondly, Paul tells them to think with poise. Look at verse number five. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto how many people? All men. Now look at it. Unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Now the word moderation means a, a mildness, a gentleness about us, a sweet, listen, how about this one, especially for Baptists, a sweet reasonableness. Now sometimes you get around some of these uh, Baptists that, that all they want to do is grumble and gripe and fight, you know? But the Bible says that our moderation, our gentleness, our reasonableness needs to be known unto all men because the Lord is at hand. You know, I'm going to tell you, I've, uh, Satan, as I mentioned this morning, he's working overtime. And you know what Satan wants to convince you tonight? And he does this to many, many people. He wants you and I to believe, to think that we are losers. Can I tell you tonight, we're not losers, we're on the winning side. <laughs> Boy, the devil is wrong about that one, is he not? Randy Alcorn said, Satan wishes to destroy your faith through suffering. But let's look at this. God desires to refine it. He desires to refine your faith. You've studied it or heard it in the Word of God, how that anybody that melts down something, especially a metal, that there's always dross that comes to the surface, and they'll scrape or scoop that dross off to where they're left with the pure metals. And that's exactly what God is doing in your life and mine. Job said, when I am tried, I shall come forth as gold. That's what God wants to do in our lives, and we need to think in our lives. We need to let it be known, look, you may suffer much for the Lord's sake, but through that suffering, your response and my response needs to be one of moderation, of gentleness. The Bible says in Romans 12, rejoicing in hope. Look at this, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Romans 12, 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. See, poise, moderation, as Paul's writing here when he gets to verse number five, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Moderation is the reflection of a heart that is resting in God. A heart that's resting in God. And I want you to see two aspects about thinking with poise. See, poise provides rest in his security, the security that we have in the Lord. I know that one of the most difficult things, even in my own life, is, is waiting on the Lord. But can I tell you that 
as we wait on the Lord, waiting time is not wasted time. Waiting on the Lord is a time when you and I, we can gain the right perspective on the circumstances in our lives in relationship to our position in God. Some of these young men this morning that were given testimonies, they were talking about how that as they've gone through their experience of Bible college and preparing for ministry, how they're having to wait on certain things. You know what they're saying? We're, we're waiting on the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, that's a difficult thing to do sometimes. But as we have the security that he provides, we need to wait. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, look, let your conversation, your lifestyle be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I use these very same verses this morning about Job. Here he is sitting in the pile of ashes with boils all over his body. And he was sitting there contented. And the Bible says, why can he be content? Because God said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we, watch this, while we're going through this, just like Job, that we can boldly say, Here's what Job said. He says, look, though he slay me, yet will I not deny him. I'm not going to badmouth my God. You know why? Because just like the writer of Hebrews, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Job says, look, God's here. And look, a verse that maybe Job understood, maybe we have come to understand, Psalm 46.10, be still. You ever try to get a little child to be still? I mean, after church, I, I sat over there for about five minutes, less than five minutes, and I finally, I said to Nazareth, I said, do your boys fall asleep when they get in the car to go home from church? And she goes, nope. I said, I don't know if I've ever seen two boys that just are constantly, I mean, those two boys, they never stop. And, you know, just to get someone to just stop, just be still and know that I am God and I will be exalted among the heathen and I will be exalted in the earth. Look, being still is something that, that listen, the silence of being still, you know what that silence does? It increases sensitivity, but it decreases anxiety. A lot of times we just want to worry about everything, try to take charge of our life. We need to just be still and say, Lord, what do you want me to do about this? I'm waiting to hear from you. See, we have rest in his security, but look at secondly, poise, moderation provides also rest in his sovereignty. I'm so glad for the sovereignty of God. Something that has, has really in my life God over and over again, just like Job, he knoweth the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Randy Alcorn said, your state of mind determines whether the doctrine of God's sovereignty either comforts you or threatens you. In other words, what you believe about God. Folks, listen, if you understand the Bible, you read the Word of God, you read enough about what the Bible says about God, it ought to comfort your heart. He's the God of all comfort. 
It shouldn't threaten you when you start to think about God and who he is. Uh, the dictionary defines the word accident as an unforeseen event or one without apparent cause. Remember that definition. Because somebody said any Christian who understands the sovereignty of God will immediately determine from this definition that there is no such thing as an accident. See, it's like the cowboy who goes to buy some life insurance and the broker, the insurance broker asked him, he said, have you had any accidents in the past year? And the cowboy said to the broker, no, but I was kicked by a horse, chased by a raging bull, bitten by a snake that laid me up for a while. And the insurance agent asked the cowboy, he said, were those not accidents? To which the cowboy replied, no, they did it on purpose. See, that cowboy realized that there is no such thing as an accident. We're talking about the sovereignty of God. Folks, we can rest because of, because of what the Lord has done for us in our minds. We need to think with poise, with moderation, with this matter of being reasonable, gentle, and, and, and rest in the security that we have in the Lord and rest in His sovereignty in our lives so we need to think in our lives with praise. Paul then secondly says, think with poise, with moderation. Thirdly tonight, here's the next truth. He tells them to think with prayer. We're just going verse by verse. Look at verse 6. We read this verse this morning too also. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto who? Unto God. Now, I want you to see this tonight because there are three terms that we just read in verse number six for the word prayer. Look at them again. The first one is the word prayer itself. What prayer is, it's the action of addressing God. Now, there's different ways to pray. I won't go into all of those. We've studied them in the past here at the church. But listen, when we pray, we are addressing Almighty God. We can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can address God through prayer. The second word that he uses is the word supplication. That word actually is seeking and asking of God to supplicate. Now the key to supplication is, is that it is being persistent and it is with a sense of urgency. That's what supplication is. Sometimes when we pray, we have a more urgent need. There's something specific that we want to pray about. And listen, we don't just ask one time. We ask God, and then we ask Him again, and then we ask Him again. It's different than just the very word prayer. The third word that He uses here in verse number 6 is the word request. Let your requests be made known unto God. Now, the word request is an actual petition. It's something that is required. And so he uses these terms here for prayer. Why? Because first of all, he tells them to request without worry. To request without worry. This is the uh, little phrase that I used this morning. Look at it again. He says, let your, or excuse me, be careful for nothing. The word careful means to be full of care. But notice he says, be careful for Nothing, the, the word nothing means not even one thing. I mean, look, 
Do you know tonight that if you are God's child, that he is your father and he knows your every need, right? God will take care of you. Let's say that tonight. God will take care of me, right? I believe that with all my heart, that the Lord will take care of us. But what is our natural tendency in our minds is to worry. I wonder if I'm going to make it. I wonder if I'm going to have enough money. Worrying is detrimental to our growth in faith towards God. The Bible says in Psalm 56, and this is the way we need to be, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. When times like that come into my life, worrying and anxiety. Can I tell you a couple things what anxiety and worrying will do in your life? Can I tell you that anxiety, first of all, will take your thoughts captive? You'll sit there and start, I mean, look, you'll take that anthill and you'll make it into a mountain. What God wants you to do is take that mountain and turn it into an anthill. Worrying will, will, will just take your thoughts captive. It is worry, it is sin, it's a lack of trust, it is a matter of pride. Worrying is a mental state that you and I accept, whether it's actively or passively. We accept it. We begin to worry about everything. Worrying is a sin, and according to the Word of God, it is something that you and I need to repent of because worrying displays a lack of faith in God. That's what verse 6 teaches us. That every one of our cares, verse number six, be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. We need to turn every care into a prayer. That's what we need to do. And, and God's instructing us here that you and I need to request without worry. But notice secondly that we need to request with thanksgiving. The Bible says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Paul wrote to those in Thessalonica, he says, in everything, everything give thanks. You know what that means? Good times and bad. We need to give thanks for everything. The Bible says, as you look at the rest of that verse, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Gratitude is something that we, never comes from avoiding difficulty, it is finding yourself sustained through it. We need to have a gratitude attitude. And Paul says, you and I, we need to think with prayer. But then notice the next truth he shares with them. He tells them to think with peace. Look at verse 7. The Bible says in verse 7, And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And here he shares with them, first of all, a heavenly design. He says it's the peace of God. Hey, if you know anything about the Antichrist that the Bible speaks of, when that time known as the time of tribulation comes, for three and a half years, what is he going to promise the world? Peace. Oh, he's going to do a great job of selling it too. Everybody is going to look to this individual. I have no idea who it is, but I know this, that it's a false peace. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? You study the Bible, it tells us that he breaks that promise at the midpoint, that three and a half year mark, and the Bible calls it the abomination of desolation. 
But you see, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. See, the Lord provides peace. We, the Bible mentions here the God of peace. It's a heavenly design, this matter of peace. And we need to think through our, our thinking with this matter of peace. Why? Because when you and I got saved, we received that peace of God that passes all understanding. I, I don't know how old you were when you got saved, but I'm going to tell you something. I just remember when I got saved, I was 20 years old. I remember that there was a, there was a calm, there was a peace that came into my life. I, I, I don't know how else to explain it, but I felt like the weight of the world had been lifted off of me. I couldn't describe it to anyone. And those were maybe some of the words that I would use, but I just know that as you think about this heavenly design about peace, that we have a positional peace. Look at Romans chapter 5. The Bible says, Therefore, being justified by faith. That's talking about salvation. And it is that at the moment of salvation, we have peace with God. Hey, you study the Word of God. Here's what you find is that before we were saved, we were enmity with God. We were His enemy. We were fighting against. Look, study the life of Saul of Tarsus. He was kicking against the work of God. He was doing everything he could to stop the work of God. But see, when we got saved, justified by God, by faith in God, we now have peace with God positionally through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have a positional peace, but we also have a progressive peace. Look, remember what Jesus said? He said, my peace I give you. Not as the world giveth peace, give I unto you. You see, this peace that the Lord gave to us wasn't a one-time thing. It's a progressive peace. Look at the Bible says here in Isaiah 26 and verse 3, thou wilt keep keep him. It's not a one-time thing. Keep him in what kind of peace? Perfect peace. Whose mind, here it is, we're talking about thinking, whose mind is stayed, it's fixed on God, stayed on thee. It says, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord, how long? Forever. That's what Isaiah wrote many years ago. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. See, he shares with them that this matter of thinking with peace, it's a heavenly design, but notice it's also a helpful design because it, the Bible says that it's through Christ Jesus. The, the phrase there, shall keep, that's a military term that's used there. It's actually translated as one word, and the word means this, that it shall uh, mount up a guard, shall mount up a guard. In other words, when you study it out, here's what it means. We're talking about the peace of God as Paul's writing to them, and he's saying to them that through the word of God, that the peace of God that passes all understanding, that peace actually guards the believer's mind. It puts us at a peace. Uh, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you're called into one body, and be ye thankful. See, God's peace is something that guards us and, and helps us in our life. It guards our minds. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, we know the Bible says this, that God is not the author of confusion, 
but it says here he's the author of peace. Do you see the verse there? The devil loves to create confusion. I mentioned earlier, and, and this happens a lot, but again, we, we, we studied the Word of God here. I, I went to a church, and they had multiple versions, and boy, it was confusing about which version do we use, and which one's right, and which one's wrong. Can I tell you, God's given us His Word, and God doesn't want there to be a confusion, and when we settle on God, and when we have the peace of God, then understand tonight that the peace of God it's something that at its very foundation is the belief that God does all things well. God does all things well. Uh, you study, I, go back to Genesis, the creation account. That's a great example of that right there is that the Bible says that God created this on the first day and he said, and it was good. And on the second day, God created this and it, God said, and it was good. You know why? Because God doesn't make bad things. God only makes good things. Everything man touches, man destroys. But understand tonight that Paul says, look, you and I, we need to think with peace. Why? Because it's a heavenly design and it's helpful in our lives. But then he gives them one last thing before we close out the text tonight. He tells them, fifthly, about thinking with purity. Now, this is something that we need to do. And notice the first word of verse number eight is the word finally. That means that he's, he's wrapping things up from the portion that we've been looking at tonight. See, once we establish that God is sovereign and that through prayer that we can gain the peace of God in our lives, and Paul's basically saying here, look, we don't want to lose traction. We want to stay on the right track here. So in verse number 8, he gives us from the Bible a prescription on how we can have a continued peace. I want to have the peace of God in my life at all times. Well, it doesn't take long. You know, sometimes I just, I just leave the parking lot, make a right turn on 129th, and get up there to that stoplight, and the peace of God is gone. It doesn't take much to lose the peace of God sometimes. But what I want in my life is I want a continued peace. I don't want it to be something that's here today and gone tomorrow. And I want you to see tonight, before we close out, the description that he gives of pure thoughts. Remember, it's all about our thought life. So important that we have pure thoughts. It just aggravates me. Every time I have an impure thought, you say, Pastor, you do? Listen, I'm human. We all do from time to time. And it's something that, as Paul wrote, I die daily. He didn't say monthly, yearly. Every day, Paul struggled with things in his own lives, and we need to make sure that we have pure thoughts. And so he gives the description here, and notice the words that he uses, because he says, finally, brethren, whatsoever, and he goes through this list, things are true, things are honest, things are just, things are pure, things are lovely, things are of good report. Now, why does God give Paul these words to write. And I want you to see the impact of all these things that will help us to have pure thoughts. Look at the first one. He talks about true, things that are true. He's talking about how you and I, we need to love the truth. Look, don't, don't, don't follow after things that are lies. Follow the truth. Jesus said, you should know the truth. And the truth is what's going to make you free. So he says here, 
that we need whatsoever things are true. He says we not, not only need to love the truth, we need to speak the truth. We need to have a character that is true. Boy, that is welcome in this day and hour that we live in. And he says you need to think on those things that are true. But then he says think on those things that are honest, that are respectful in character, that are honorable. We need to make sure that we're thinking on things that are honest. He uses the word just, those, that are, those things that are righteous, that are upright. He says, think on those things that are lovely. Those, the word lovely deals with those things that are acceptable. They're pleasing. They're amiable. We need to make sure we're thinking on acceptable things in the sight of God. And then he says, think on things that are of good report. These words mean things that are sounding well, that, have, that are highly regarded, that are well thought of. Look, we need to make sure in our lives that we are having pure thoughts. And he describes the things that we need to think on. So important that we think on the right things. But then as he moves to the end of verse number 8, he says, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, in other words, if it's going to happen, he says, think on these things. We see here he's talking about the development of pure thoughts. How do we develop our regular thought lives? The patterns that we think. The word think means to concentrate, to consider, to take into account the things that we allow in. Look, you know the old adage, garbage in, right? Garbage out. Whatever is in our hearts is eventually going to make its way out in our lives. So we need to be thinking of pure thoughts, developing pure thoughts in our lives. And this is where Paul is trying to help us understand through the Holy Spirit of God that we need to switch our thinking from human thinking to biblical thinking. I need to get back to what the Bible says. Look at it. Here's a verse again that I shared this morning, casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every, every thought to the obedience of who? Of Christ. Every thought. So he's talking about developing virtuous thinking. That there should be an excellence, a moral excellence in our lives. And we need to develop an improved thought life. One that God would be pleased with. One that God would approve of. Hey, it's a great passage tonight. Somebody put it this way. When you think about our thought life, they said the mind is like a crowded street where phantom thoughts like people meet. Some hard at work, some idle are. Some stay at home, some wander far. Some thoughts wield power that ever lives, a power that inspiration gives. While others dwell with us a while, then pass as transient as a smile. Thus come and go these thoughts of ours, some perfume laden as the flowers, while others sear our lives with blight to bring no pleasure or delight. Our thinking lifts us to the stars or seals our hearts with prison bars, confers on us both joy and strife, for as we think, 
we fashion life as we think. What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? God's Word says, think on these things. Look at verse number 9 again. The Bible says here in verse number 9, The Bible says those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And here, look at this. And the God of peace shall be with you. How many of you want the God of peace with you? Then do the things that Paul instructed to the church in Philippi that God's instructing us to do today in our lives. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to have our, our minds and our hearts renewed and refreshed by the Word of God. Lord, I know that every day of my own life that it's a battle. The thought life, the things that enter in that oftentimes lodge in the heart. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to think with praise. Lord, to think with moderation, with poise, that we would think with prayer, to let our requests be made known unto all men. God, that you would help us to be Christian men and women that would do the right thing, to have the right thoughts, that there would be a purity in our thought life. Lord, no one else knows tonight what's in our minds and what's in our thoughts, but you do. Lord, cleanse us and use us for your honor and glory. Would you stand?